Welcome to Homestead Gardening in the Texas Gulf Coast. I'm Kristen Howard, and today I have a very special episode for you. I've rarely succeeded at growing a really large, healthy plant in containers, but I've especially struggled growing plants indoors. I can start the plants just fine, but then I run into all the classic problems everyone faces when they try to grow a plant indoors. Light, airflow, temperature, fertilizing, watering, but not too much water are all things I can't seem to wrap my head around consistently enough to be successful at growing plants indoors. In the natural environment, I know exactly what to do. It's almost as if my brain shuts down when I start growing plants in containers or in a controlled environment. That's because most of my gardening practices and gardening talent has everything to do with complying with Mother Nature's limitations and working with them. So when I was asked this year to do a podcast episode on growing plants in containers, I realized I really had no clue what to talk about. This was not my strength, and truthfully, I never planned for it to be. That's why today's episode includes an incredible guest that I have a huge amount of respect for because she can grow some crazy things indoors, and her entire garden is in containers for almost the entire year, if not the entire year. Hailing from Northwest Pennsylvania in Zone 6A, Olivia is challenged with really crazy weather and short growing season outdoors. Olivia and I met on Instagram in November 2021, right when I started my gardening YouTube and podcast and was in over my head trying to figure out what content people wanted to see. And knowing me, she found me from an Instagram tag claiming I have a container garden, which I do, technically. I actually remember when I started ogling her account because she posted a picture of cotton she had grown, and that's been on my wish list to regrow for a while. Most gardening accounts show the same thing over and over, tomato, sunflower, zinnia, rinse and repeat. But Olivia had really interesting things popping up on her feed. Then she started posting pictures of the healthiest peppers and rare varieties that I've never heard of, like Hollow's Eve and Purple UFO, with purple stems and purple black leaves, and that was right up my alley. The cool thing about Olivia is that she always responded to my questions. When I was asking, how is she able to grow these plants so much more successfully than me? What could I do better? What was her setup like? How did she fit so many plants in such a small space indoors? I already knew that Olivia was an incredible resource to me right away, but I had no idea how special and knowledgeable she was until I was asked to do this podcast theme of container gardening, and I reached out to her to see if she'd be interested. I found out she was growing so much more than peppers indoors, and I can't wait for you to hear more about what she's growing today, her clever indoor setup, and so much more that she was willing to share, including navigating her pets with her indoor gardening, which is my biggest challenge. As you're listening today, keep in mind that Olivia, like myself, offers one-on-one consultations, and her container gardening experience and advice can be translated to anywhere you grow, not just her specific climate, because she does primarily focus on indoor gardening and container gardening. So if you would like more advice or assistance, make sure you follow her on Instagram at Container Garden Central and reach out to her. Her Instagram handle is also included in today's episode description. So I want to welcome Olivia to the podcast, and I want to uh, first mention that Olivia is uh, a container gardener, and that's something that's so different for me because I do not container garden, or at least I try not to. And for anybody that um, keeps up with my garden, you'll notice I kill a lot of things that stay in containers. So Olivia is helping me out today by answering a lot of the commonly asked questions for container gardening, Um, and we'll start off by asking her how she got started. All right. So, um, 
I got started uh, basically kind of with gardening overall. I wanted to be able to have fresher produce, uh, kind of limit the chemicals and all the nasty stuff that comes along with store-bought stuff. And um, I'm a sucker for cool colors. So anything that I can get that's not typically available in the store is a really big plus for me. Uh, the first thing I ever did in containers was blue potatoes because I love potatoes. And I saw some little uh, video on Facebook about you know, just do them in containers. That way you don't have to dig them up. And I was like, oh, well, hey, I can do that. And I did potatoes for a couple years and that worked out. And then after I got kind of comfortable with that, I decided I would go into citrus trees, which in zone six does not work out at all. So it has to be in a container if I want it to survive. Citrus needs the grow lights to be able to actually work properly and I found out after like the first year of doing citrus that an actual greenhouse would help me with the humidity aspect as well so not alone uh, only do I do the uh, indoor gardening I do have the greenhouse too to kind of help control the climate even more for me so you've told me before that your greenhouse is in your basement which again I'm in Texas. We do not do basements. That's so crazy to me. Um, but my citrus, they only thrive when it is wicked hot and humid. So how are you, I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to mention this later, but just touch on how you even manage that in a basement, which is usually cool. Right. Yes. Um, luckily my basement does stay pretty warm. I don't do any extra heat inside of the greenhouse. Um, just kind of the heat that the lights give off is the only extra heating I have in there. Um, the basement itself outside of the greenhouse stays in the 60s, usually even in the dead of winter when it's 15 degrees outside. So um, I think my greenhouse stays at pretty much about 70 degrees uh, with or without the lights on. And it honestly, it, it stays at about 70% humidity too, for the most part, kind of depends on how long I've had it open for the day and my watering schedule kind of makes it jump and drop a little bit, but not too much. It's actually pretty controlled, which I was really surprised about. Are you getting flowers yet? Um, I, I had some on the citrus, one of my Meyer lemons, and I actually have two lemons hanging on growing right now. I had the flowers, gosh, the flowers did start when they were uh, outside in August and I had probably like seven lemons and only two have survived, but they are still actively growing. I was kind of concerned for a while, but they are slowly getting bigger and they're starting to not be so dark green. So I think they may finally be ripening, which is really exciting because those will be my first citrus. That's awesome. I, that's what I was curious about because I know mine are definitely timed to the weather, all of the fruiting and flowering. I mean, obviously they're straight on schedule because they're outside. So I was curious how your citrus is getting signaled. So it sounds like because you're bringing them outside for a little bit uh, at the right time yes. of year, they're getting that signal. Okay. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So they normally go outside in May and then come back in in September or October, depending on how the weather is. So tell me why you like to indoor garden. 
I mean, I, I'm su- assuming you have to, but like, I know you like it. So tell me why you like it. I do it. Um, I really like gardening. I never really thought it would be something that's such a hobby and a release for me as it is. And I just want to be able to do it all year round. Now that I figured out you pretty much can, um, it's, there's a lot of easy things you can do, quick growing, quick turnaround edible crops. I mean, grow lights are kind of, you have to have the time and the, the money to want to have grow lights going for 16 hours a day, but it's amazing what you can do with just artificial lighting. And I just like, I just like keep testing myself and seeing where I end up. <laughs> it's so fun. That's awesome. So it seems like the citrus is a big driver in the whole equation. So what do you grow other than the citrus that you're interested in? A huge one is peppers. I have probably 20 different varieties of peppers I'm growing. I just really like peppers. I make salsas. I want to try some hot sauces, uh, dehydrate some to make powder. I want to do my cayenne powder and a few other things. I have a lot of peppers. I'm cutting back my tomatoes because they're, even for me, they're a little particular in containers. I don't really want to baby them that much. Um, I'll be doing potatoes again. My weird one this year is going to be peanuts. I did cotton last year. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of brassicas. Hopefully I'm going to get those outside in the next week or so. Have uh, celery, got what broccoli, cauliflower, rapini, Brussels sprouts. I have garlic growing right now, doing some radishes, and I have a an actual in-ground pollinator garden planned with some sunflowers, bachelor buttons, bunch of zinnias, bunch of fun stuff. Okay. So you mentioned onions in containers and almost everybody I talk to who gardens says, oh, you cannot plant onions in containers. I I'll start onions indoors. It's not, I don't find it to be a problem at all, but how big are your containers are like, what are you trying to do with your onions as far as that's concerned? Right. So those I have, um, just in like a little plastic tote. Ah, gosh, I don't even remember how big they are. Like 100, 100 quart totes, something like that. Um, I just threw some dirt in them. I did carrots in them last year. I just refreshed the soil with some compost and threw those on in and they've just been loving life out there. Okay, so, so they're plenty deep. I mean, they're, yeah, yeah it seems like yeah, no problem. Good, probably almost 20 inches deep or so, so. That's awesome. Okay. So what limitations have you experienced container garden? And you already mentioned the tomatoes are a little finicky. Yes. Uh, limitations kind of just for me overall is where I live. I do have about 177 growing days. Um, our last frost is May 1st. First frost is usually October 26th. Um, so with that, just our spring and falls, the weather can be pretty rough. They're normally pretty quick. They're normally pretty cold and very wet. So that kind of limits what I do. Kind of have to do everything sort of all at once. Like I said, I'll be getting my brassicas hopefully out in the next week or so. And uh, everything else will be out middle of May. I have vacation the first week of May or else it would be out the first week of May. So just kind of weather limits. And then once we get into the summer here, it's usually 85, 90 degrees, and it's really, really humid. So we kind of get the extremes all over the board all year round. So it's just bouncing between that, trying to keep everything watered. But I do mulch, and 
that seems helps out a lot. I usually only ever water everything maybe two or three times a week. So it's not too bad. That's pretty impressive. Um, especially here where I've watered twice today with my containers, everything, I mean, I almost lost everything yesterday because I watered once in my arrogance. Um, I think we're in the mid eighties. I don't know, but it's, it's, it, it got hot too fast here for sure. Um, so you haven't mentioned any of your limitations really having anything to do with growing indoors. I mean, are you, are you pretty compact and successful with that indoor process? I feel like I am. Um, there's, I haven't tried everything, but everything I have tried so far has gone wonderfully. I know that you do take care of your plants and you do a better job than I do. Um, so I know that you have a good for fertilizer protocol and you, you already mentioned compost. So tell me a little bit more about your caregiving. Gotcha. Yes. So, uh, with containers, um, I learned from the citrus, especially it's kind of actually really hard to ever overwater or over fertilize with container gardening. Um, whatever, if you overwater, it's just going to run out the bottom. So that's really nice. But then also your fertilizer kind of runs out the bottom too. So I usually with container gardening, I do try to fertilize weekly in the growing season. Usually doesn't happen. Happens usually every other week I'll do a liquid, but I also have a solid fertilizer that I mix in. So if it rains or something and I miss a week, just get lazy, it's still getting food and getting fed. So it's not too bad there. So yeah, I'm a big fan of just like Neptune's Harvest, fish and seaweed. So that just, I pretty much use it for everything from beginning to the end. And it works beautifully for me. And I have heard really good things about fish fertilizer and I've used it. I've heard good things about seaweed and I just, maybe it's harder to find around me. Uh, I haven't found it in a couple of years, or at least I haven't, maybe it's just getting taken at the right time of year <laughs> during gardening season. Um, I try my indoor plants with my grow light in my main living room. So the fish fertilizer just stinks up the place um, yeah. for almost a full day. It's, it's so hard to get it worked in and I get in huge trouble with my husband when I fertilize, I usually don't tell him and then just apologize afterwards. That works out better for me. Um, but my dogs, so I have a bloodhound and, uh, and then I have a great Dane poodle mix. So both are very tall and they, they love to stick their faces where it doesn't belong. Um, I know you have pets. Yes. How do you manage the fertilizing indoors and the pets right. or, or just the pets in general? Because mine will come and munch and try some things out too. Yeah. Same. I, I have four cats. Uh, one of them is much more determined to get into the greenhouse than the rest of them. He finally, he finally made me put the bottom clamps on the greenhouse because he would pull out the plastic from underneath it and worm his way in there. But I've never had too big of a problem with the fertilizer. I don't know why. I, with the citrus trees before I had the greenhouse, I was always using a fish fertilizer and the cats never, ever, ever, ever have bothered the citrus trees. Um, I don't know if it's just the smell, I'm guessing, just very overwhelming, maybe. Uh, never had too big of a problem with the fertilizer in the cats. It's mostly uh, Chapo and Bill want to sample them. They want to 
lay on stuff and then Pablo gets jealous the plants are getting attention so he just has to work his way in there and Walter just is happy to be there <laughs> hey, uh what one second go over your cat names again <laughs> <laughs> yes I have there's El Chapo Pablo Bill and Walter <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like Walter got <laughs> short stick maybe Bill right. too I'm not sure. Walter White so Oh, okay. Okay. Oddball out. Uh, who's Bill named after? <laughs> like, wh- where did Bill come from? I don't know. Okay, just, just. <laughs> so Bill drew this short stick. Yeah, the creative name. Right. It, he's just. He's this little gray tiger. He's the teeny tiniest one, and just Bill. Bill fits. I don't know why. I like it. <laughs> I. So my husband's allergic to cats. We we don't have a cat. Having four, and then having having only one really fight to get in the greenhouse. That's hilarious. Um, yes. <laughs> so it seems like your current goals are incredibly ambitious, but t- expand upon that a little bit more. And then tell me what you plan for the future, because me as a gardener every year, it's something new, something new, something new, or, you know, kick out the stuff that didn't work and then try for a bumper crop. You know, I, I kind of had this weird habit of only wanting to grow a ton of stuff one year and then canning or freezing or something and then not doing it for a couple of years and taking a break like what what is your goal right yeah so currently um I'm more focused on figuring out my cool weather crops I want to see how it goes this spring versus this fall see what grows better in the spring or fall um if it makes a difference at all um future I want to be able to find the right crops that work for my diet and my climate and what's really going to be best for me kind of being lazy like I said I did 13 tomato plants last year I'm only doing four this year it's just easier for me to be able to go to a local you pick farm pick as many tomatoes as I want it's cheaper I don't have to baby them and I can 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 away I did gosh, I don't know, 25 quarts of spaghetti sauce and a bunch of salsa. And I did make some, I did make some ketchup and tomato soup from some of the tomatoes I grew, but it just, me putting in the effort of growing tomatoes on my end for canning is not, not exactly ideal for me, but peppers on the other hand do so well for me. I'm, like I said, I'm doing like 20 different varieties of peppers this year. I want to play around with those, see what flavors I like, see what works out for me. And then uh, hopefully next year, limit down the varieties and just do more plants of certain varieties that work for me. And I know I like. No, that's a really smart plan. And I feel the same way. We, um, when it comes to peppers, we are on the Scotch bonnet train. That is our big thing. And so I think it was last year I did 24 plants. I think, yeah, 20 or 24 plants of scotch bonnet. And then I'm not growing scotch bonnet for five years. So kind of like the same thing. Like we, we dried everything, processed it, and then it's in, you know, different sauces or it's dried and and pulverized, you know, and things like that. And that works great. It keeps for so long with these processing uh, treatments, but then tomatoes, in my opinion, if you're not eating them fresh, it almost doesn't matter if you grow them at home or not, because, it's all about the people say there's nuances in the taste. I can't tell the difference, but, <laughs> but with right peppers, in, you can, 
<laughs> yeah. With peppers, you can. And I do feel like pepper is peppers are kind of like an art. Like, you know, you start finding what you like, you test all the different types. They are different and they don't just have heat. They have flavor. It's interesting. Yes. Yeah. That's kind Absolutely. of fun. And I get super lazy with my tomatoes. If I grow, if I have any success, which I don't try very hard to have success, I just, you know, wing it. But, um, if I have any success, I usually just throw them whole in the freezer. I don't even pretend to process them <laughs> because okay. they're always going to be cooked into something later. Right. But yeah. No, I had, uh, after I got tired of all my canning, I just put like five gallon bags of whole tomatoes in the freezer. And I was like, I'll deal with these another day. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened with me. I was just done at the end of the year with those. So tell me um, how long, obviously the citrus are, are lifelong container plants, but everything else that has a true growing season, how long are you keeping them in containers? Are you going into year two with anything? Um, nothing but the citrus trees go uh, year after year. I thought about overwintering some peppers. I just never got around to it. Um, if I find a variety I particularly like this year, I may try that out. Um, I found out uh, that my garage is it's unheated, but it doesn't really ever get below 40 degrees, even in the middle of winter. So that's opened up a lot of possibilities for overwintering and next season. I'm sure Josh will not be pleased, but he'll have to get over it. But most of my plants are pretty much in containers 100% of the time from when I start them as a seed. I've, I mean, sometimes they're in a soil block, but the only thing um, that's going in ground are my flowers this year. Everything else is going to be out of a container. All my herbs, I was, I was naughty and told myself I was done and I bought some berry plants. So those are going to be in containers too. So I'm just going for it. <laughs> I have two questions now. The first is a soil block question. The second, tell me about those berries. What variety did you get? It was like, it the plant size would be equivalent to what are 15 gallon or 10 gallon berry plants. But I swear the price on that said $9.99. Yes. Okay. It, yeah. so, so you had this giant berry. What, what variety or what did you get? Yeah, I got uh, two of the pink lemonade blueberries. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yes. I'm and not they gonna... were, they were that big. Okay. Yes, they're a I... nice size. They're in like probably a gallon or a half gallon container. And they were oh yeah, my 10 bucks a pop get out of no that, that I felt like they were so much bigger than that weren't right they bigger there uh the containers aren't that big honestly the plants are pretty big they're about probably 18 inches tall honestly and the one has a lot more branching out than the other one does but they're pretty I, nice I had pink, pink lemonade a few years ago and I was being uh, extremely neglectful so I lost all of them. They were on the driveway. One actually came back and gave it to a friend, but I, I didn't actually grow pink lemonade technically because of that. So I definitely want to hear how that goes. All right. So soil blocking. Yes or no. Are you going to, do you like the soil blocks or do you like the traditional, however you normally start? I do like doing the soil blocks. I feel like it works out for uh, my situation better. Uh, my greenhouse is like eight feet long, three feet wide and six feet tall uh, so I'm pretty limited in what space I do have for growing so being able to get 35 seedlings on a little cafeteria tray start is perfect for me and even if they get to be a little plants need a little bit more room I have 
little bitty grow bags. I can put some soil in, uh, put the soil block in and kind of give them a little bit more room to stretch their feet and get a little bit bigger and take those outside and plop them out into the container when they're ready. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So for the soil blocks, is the goal to never pop them? They go, they go straight in the ground when they're ready. Is that the whole point? Yes. Um, okay. And let's say, um, it allows for air pruning too. So it allows the, uh, yes, the roots to branch out a little bit more. I had some of my uh, calendula soil blocks when I was moving them, they have roots hanging off the soil block by an inch or two, just kind of sitting out on the tray waiting. It's, it's really cool actually. <laughs> so other than like the soil blocks, what are their tips or tricks? I mean, you've mentioned fertilizer. You've, you've mentioned so many things that I think are unique. Um, what other tips and tricks do you have related to your container? Right. Well, probably a big one is just the soil mix I use. I know it can, last year was kind of crazy. I didn't, I re- figured out my soil mix a little too late in the game, but I'm going to try it all this year. Um, I d- did mix stuff last year. I just got my regular potting soil mix. I did mix in some extra perlite and some vermiculite and um, some other soil that I had kind of give it a little bit more aeration I mixed in and then I would do some rock uh, sulfate and a little bit of sulfur right in the hole when I was planting the plants this year I'm going to be doing it's kind of with the citrus a big thing with them in containers is what they call a 511 mix they usually do five parts uh, bark one part perlite and one part compost, soil mix, whatever you want to do there. Um, I use pine bark mulch and I'm going to be doing, uh, yeah, the pine bark mulch, the perlite, and I'll probably be upping it to like two parts of the soil mix. It seems really chunky, but it's really nice. It's light. It's cheap. The pine bark is so cheap. It's $5 for a three cubic foot bag. And it's, it's, it's honestly, it works really well. I thought it would dry out a lot quicker because, because it is chunky and light, but it holds uh, water really well for me. I don't know if it's the mulching. I don't know if it's just having everything kind of in a group. So it doesn't really get too much wind or something. I don't know, but the soil mix, I feel it's, it's a nice one. It saves a lot of money and it makes everything go a lot further. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting. I haven't heard anybody talk about a soil mix other than a starter mix. So for the citrus, you said, okay, here's what I wrote down. Five parts, pine bark mulch, one part perlite, one part compost. Yep. Is there also any soil in that or just, uh, yes, you say compost soil. I say, I kind of have them mixed okay. together for the most part. That's so. still, that's amazing. And you're right. I mean, it is an incredibly aerated mix what I buy already like what what they come in is already an incredibly aerated mix and it probably does have a lot of that pine bark already in there that's mm-hmm. so interesting and I stick it in rose soil like when I would put my <laughs> when I put mine in ground so my in-ground citrus are actually still raised they're still sort of in containers I take a, like a fire ring and then I just to get them out of our um, soggy soil because we do have those hurricane like five seven day rains where we have to just get, get some sort of drainage. Um, but I've never thought about adding pine bark mulch 
right? Yeah. That's yeah. A, such a great idea. It's a, yeah, no, uh, citrus groups, they, I really learned a lot of, a lot of fun tips that way. So yeah, it's, it's a huge one. And it's, like I said, it's so cost effective. It's just like, why not? Yeah. And I, um, I ordered, I ordered pine bark mulch and bulk for my garden already just to top dress because I do everything with seedlings. I don't really buy full-size plants and I don't take the time to container garden to get the full-size plants to put out there. <laughs> um, so it's just like, I have to have something to deal with our heat on that top layer that cracks. Um, but then, yeah, I just, I have all of that resource. I didn't even know I had right at my fingertips. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So one of the questions I have for you is, and one of the challenges that I personally have in the winter, I have that heater running full blast because I've, I'm not acclimated to the cold. Um, and my seedlings just fall apart because most of the time, if I'm growing something indoors in winter, I'm probably trying to get some of my brassica started, something that's really not going to love that heat hitting it. How are you managing the indoor growing and the heater being on? Right now I did have, uh, like the first year with my citrus, it was going really good. And then winter came and I brought them back inside, you know, in October. And by January, I had lost two of the three trees I had at that time from root rot. The leaves, they always looked dry and crispy. So I thought it needed watered more. So I was watering it, watering it, watering it, but that was the downfall. So I was really upset and <laughs> just wanted to kind of like, just not do any gardening took a breather. I saw I had a lot of extra space on the table since I had two less trees. I had the grow light still. So I figured, well, let me try some garden seeds and see how that does for me. But um, after that whole experience, I really started uh, looking more into citrus and what I can do for them and growing citrus indoors specifically. And I found a couple great groups on Facebook, learned a ton of information. And I really felt that especially for my climate being so dry and having to be inside for five, six months a year that the greenhouse was a way to go because it does help tremendously with keeping the humidity in. And I have not had any crispy leaves at once since I have had everything in the greenhouse. And it is such a great feeling. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely think, um, I think your greenhouse specifically is the key to that too. Um, can you explain how your greenhouse works? Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with an indoor greenhouse to begin with. I think most people just have like the table and the grow light set up. So can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I just have uh, the basic start of it is just one of those six foot long party tables. I have everything set up on there. I have three different grow lights. I think they're 40 watt, they're 65 100 Kelvin LEDs. I just use shop lights too. I don't use specific grow lights because grow lights are very expensive since they say grow lights, but shop lights are very, very cheap. It was only like maybe $45 for the three of them where you can spend $90 on one grow light. Um, I have ones that are deformable. I have like three-way so I can kind of aim where I want the light a little bit more. I don't really have a rack system super set up in there. So I kind of work with what I have. Um, the frame of my greenhouse is just half inch PVC. I had 
four mil plastic laying around the house. So we covered it with that. Josh found some little plastic PVC clamps on Amazon. So everything's just held together with that. Nothing's glued. Um, I just poke some holes in the top to run my wires through to get the grow lights in there. And that's kind of about it. Um, I ooh, This year I did upgrade it with some Mylar emergency blankets to keep more of the light inside instead of just bleeding out through the plastic. And uh, we were gonna do it this year, but we never did. Uh, Josh has plans putting for a couple fans in to actually get some airflow. Um, I just leave one side open on the top and a big gap on the other side so the cats can't get in. And that seems to provide enough airflow kind of. I only have a few peppers that have some edema problems and I think that's more because they're a little crowded in there right now, but that's okay. Well, yeah, and you have three more three more weeks till last frost. So if you could hang in there a little longer, but <laughs> they'll get there. And your peppers are huge. Um, so the way you described your DIY greenhouse, you sound so much like an engineer. And, and okay. <laughs> And my husband's an engineer, but also in Houston, like we're just inundated with engineers and they always, they will, they will not buy something prefab, prefab because they can do it better if they do it themselves. Right. <laughs> but it was awesome. Like, it's awesome. Just all of the different, um, very simple pieces to get this perfect greenhouse that fits your setup is awesome. Right. I, love so that. I think it was maybe like $200 total for all the supplies. I think the biggest really thing not was that bad. kind of the PVC and then the grow lights. So yeah, that's not that bad. No, no and I love honestly. the, I love the, um, shop light trick. That's really interesting, especially being able to aim them and then using like the, um, the reflective fabric or whatever to, yeah, to reflect the light back and stuff. Like yeah, it no, it, when I, as soon as I got the mylar sheets up before I put anything in, cause obviously before I moved everything back inside this fall and as soon as I turned the lights back on, it was such a huge difference how much actually was bleeding out. I mean, it made sense, but I just never thought about it until I actually did it. So that was, that's very nice. So how realistic would it be for a normal person without a basement to indoor grow? I mean, I'm sure. Okay. I know a lot of people use their basements as bonus rooms or, or things like that. So they're not, they're not wasted space. I, th I think I'm thinking of my grandmother that never used her basement, right? yeah. but like how, how realistic would it be for somebody like me? Right. I mean, honestly, again, I don't grow in a huge spot. So if you have some sort of an area, if you have a corner, you can, you'd be surprised with what you can grow. Um, growing indoors is a lot easier than I thought. There's just a few uh, details you have to iron out once you get started. It's kind of like um, well, like uh, getting a fish tank set up is always kind of my go-to. I have a fish tank as well. Um, it seems really daunting, you know, getting all your water levels right and getting everything figured out. But once you have it figured out, it's kind of on cruise control. Um, plants are a little bit more finicky because you have to keep watering them. Um, so it's easy. It just may not be exactly realistic for everyone. Um, you do have to have time and energy to be able to dedicate to them. Uh, some days I may only look at the plants for five minutes. Some days I spend two hours with them. You also need to be able to, like I said, I have my girl lights on for 16 hours a day. So just the cost from running my lights is something to think about. 
it's a hobby for me. I really enjoy it. It makes me happy. So I don't see that as a burden of uh, having to have the grow lights on, but, but it is something to consider if you really want to be serious about it. I, I've asked a question before into the universe because, you know, Instagram and different social platforms, you only get an answer if somebody's watching, right? Um, yeah. And I've, I've asked how many hours do people actually use their grow lights? Because I will do an eight hour day. <laughs> So it sounds like you're doing twice as much, quite a bit more. Right. No, say that was, that was another thing I learned in the citrus groups was growing inside because the grow lights are good. And even if you have high output ones, it's not like the sun. So you need a lot more time with lights on to be able to get anything near what the sun would be. But you're not watering more because of that. Nope. Say okay. I water, I usually actually water less once everything comes inside, at least citrus wise. They okay. get, I water them maybe once every two weeks, honestly. So I think that I have a different type of grow light. They are not LED, um, but I think they're hot and that, and I have to water twice a day if I go over eight hours. So I'm, I'm thinking that is part of my struggle. That's, right, that's, yeah, that is probably it. Cause you know, LEDs don't give off a ton of heat. Uh, mine, they have their heat sink and that's where all the heat's kind of kept, but it's not, they don't output heat from the lights. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So if your frost date is March, or sorry, May 1st, do they go out? Do you put them out immediately? Yeah, pretty much. I, I will take the time to harden them off. Um, but if I if it wasn't for going on vacation, the 6th of May, I would be getting them out, um, right then and there. I, I would be getting them out even if I was on vacation, honestly, because it's normally pretty wet and I don't have to worry about watering them. But my poor sister who does nothing with plants has to come take care of the cats and my plants. So I just want to try to make it easier on her. <laughs> I started Peppers uh, before Christmas and then I left for Christmas to see my family and my husband had to stay home with our dogs and the plants. And I told him, I said, I just tried to dumb down the process. And I was like, all you have to do is water, turn the light on, turn the light off. <laughs> that is all you have to do. Um, it'll be so simple. And I came home and these things were wretched. They were just, <laughs> <laughs> I told him, you right, did my lights are on a timer. I don't yeah. have to worry oh, okay. about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. I, I um, am actually interested in how many plants you have because <laughs> I, I act like, oh, I'm just going to grow a hundred of this and that. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, well, if I'm going to grow a hundred, let me throw in a thousand. I mean, I'm exaggerating. Right. But let me throw in a thousand seeds and then definitely a hundred come up and then maybe I'll give the rest away. And that's my mentality. And the next thing I know I'm growing a thousand things because I can't give them away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, I wanted to do more peppers and then, then, you know, looking at all the different stuff. And then I joined a pepper group and there was even more in there. So the peppers just kind of kept coming along and yeah, I feel, I feel that. <laughs> uh, say the minimum plants I always have are my citrus trees. I have seven citrus trees. So that is the bare bone minimum there. Any, any favorite varieties from the citrus? Um, say right now I have my favorite one is one that probably nobody has heard of because I had not heard of it and I just had to have it. It is called an Amoa. It's A-M-O-A, the number eight and Tangor, T-A-N-G-O-R. It is basically a blood mandarin. 
so I, um, in one of the citrus groups I'm in on Facebook, they were doing a, a donation uh, charity auction thing, and I won this Samoa eight. So that's my that's my little baby in my citrus trees right now. Um, I also have a Mineola Tangelo. I'm pretty excited about just because they are super delicious. Uh, they're so juicy that I call them like Sour Patch Kid oranges. They're fantastic. So I can't wait to have one of those grow. And I also have uh, the variegated pink Eureka. So I got, got me a little variegated citrus too, cause you gotta. <laughs> Those are so cute. Um, I lost mine in our Texas freeze from last February, but I had two flanking the front doors and like the, the leaves are just gorgeous. The variegation wow. is gorgeous. But then I used to like to cut up the lemons, whether they are ready or not for kids when they come over, because it's just so cute. It looks like right? it looks fake. The pink inside yes, you're is like, so what? cute. Oh, yes. Pink lemonade's not real. (laughs) (laughs) They are really, really cool. They're definitely a must-have. And they're not that much more cold sensitive. I mean, I know that's not as much a concern for you, but they're not that much more cold sensitive than the normal lemons. They're really not. Right. No. Yes. They pretty much, most citrus is around the same cold hardy. Say the oddballs are the limes. They're more tropical than most of the citrus. So. Yes. I, I. Every time I turn around, a client wants a lime who has no experience growing citrus and wants something super, super easy. And I tell them, you've chosen the worst possible choice. Like choose a kumquat. A kumquat is so dummy proof. You can't lose it. You just can't. Um, and I'm sure you're not going growing a kumquat, but <laughs> if, you, if you ever want to, they have the, the fun sugary skin. It's definitely different. Um, it's not something you find in a grocery store. So tell me, tell me something else. Is there anything else? You've already told me so many interesting things. Right. Uh, oh, I, I never did this. The, the maximum I kind of figured out for my plants, I figured out my edibles. I have like 63 plants for my edibles. And I think that's actually containers, not individual plants. And then I have this one for my pollinator garden. It should actually be plant total I have like 77 plants I'm planning on shoving over in that little garden bed I'm excited I can't wait to see your pictures they're awesome your pepper pictures get me so excited and then I look at my peppers and I go oh yeah I really should have fertilized every week <laughs> right no yes I mind I've I've been a little lazy and I haven't really fertilized them until well, and you had the 16 hour the first time but goodness you have the 16 hour lights on them too <laughs> Yes. Right. Yeah. Such a game changer. I've got, I've got to step that up for sure. That's definitely a good tip. Goodness. Probably half the peppers I have right now have flowers on them. If they're, I haven't really been shaking them to set fruit, but we're getting close to going outside. So I'm not too concerned about that now. So just to introduce myself a little bit, uh, my name is Olivia. I am 30 years old and I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. I've lived in Pennsylvania my whole life. Um, I used to live in what's Warren County, a very small place. I only lived there for a few years before I moved to Erie. But as I said earlier, you know, I do have my four cats, Chapo, Pablo, Bill and Walter, and they very much like to be involved with a greenhouse. Chopo more than the rest, unfortunately. Um, I also, I do have a ball python and I do have a fish tank, 
one thing I need to get better about doing is making use of my fish water when I'm watering my plants. I, I just always keep forgetting to do anything. I'm cleaning the fish tank and I just dumped the water instead of saving it. And I'm like, well, that was really dumb. I could have used that. But um, another question uh, Kristen had asked me was just kind of how I've learned about gardening. And honestly, it's kind of just been through YouTube. That's a really big thing for me. I, Josh, he will come home and I'll be sitting using his Xbox, watching YouTube and typing in, you know, how to grow broccoli from seed, how to grow broccoli in containers. Those are usually my top two. And I kind of mash up the two sources because it, it is different from just growing them. And then container gardening is a little bit more specific. So I like to try to get whatever I can figured out that way. Um, a couple of my big channels on YouTube. I really like Am I Gardener. So it's so nice to be able to have somebody who's from a cooler climate talk about gardening. A lot of people I've seen come from warmer climates. I've learned a lot from them, but it's, I want to be able to know that it's successful for my areas and not just, you know, where, where it's nice all year round usually. And another, another big one um, is Next Level Gardening. That was, that was kind of my introductory one. It was nice, quick, easy videos that actually explained a lot and was more than, hey, you know, put this seed in dirt and water it. <laughs> so the, the funny thing is, so people in my climate will reference in my gardener and I, and I, and I go, no, 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 we don't live in that climate. But you're perfect for that. Um, me, I look for swamp cultures. <laughs> I look for other people who live in swamps. And so I look at Australia and Florida. <laughs> and I, I, I watch for people who are actively sweating on their videos. I'm like, yes, you are my person. <laughs> Tell me things. And the right. funny thing is I've learned that if I follow Australians, I am six months away from them in whatever season they are in. So yes. I go and I order whatever seeds they recommend right then, because it'll be my turn to plant soon. <laughs> <laughs> right now, yeah. Instead yes, of waiting is, a full year. <laughs> it is kind of nice. I, yes, I um, also watch uh, Self-Sufficient Me. I know he's in Australia. So he's it's my uh, favorite. He's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> yes. He, he turned me on to all of the gourds. Um, and I don't thin out my carrots anymore after watching him. Yes. because he, he doesn't see the point in it. And I go, well, that sounds like a lazy tactic that I can enjoy. Right. Yes. Works for me. <laughs> oh goodness. I love it. <laughs> no, he's, he's definitely entertaining too, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's interesting by the way, for citrus for him, I've noticed he plants in more shade, but he, he's in even a, a warmer climate climate than I am. He's in a, a, a little bit more boggy, um, I still don't think that citrus can handle as much shade as he tries. Uh, I think he goes a little bit too deep with his shade. I, I haven't watched him in like a year, so I don't know if he's changed that method or not, but he does really tall um, growing containers, extremely yes. tall. Yes. And I don't know if it's just a personal choice for like physical, uh, like a physical choice. I've tried mm -hmm. tall containers like that and I hate it. And I went back to the six inch. <laughs> I'm not really into it. Uh, I always have dreams about having like, you know, all these fancy raised beds everywhere. But then, you know, I see people do like these three foot tall ones and it's like, well, okay. So then you, you 
put tomatoes in there and they grow six, seven feet tall. And I'm not that tall. I'm tall, but I'm not that tall. <laughs> I do not like being on ladders. I don't, I'm, I'm actually afraid of heights to the point of the second rung of the ladder is, is plenty for me. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. And so I think it was last year. I, I just or last fall. I dismantled my tall planters, but I'd been climbing up the ladder, trying to harvest things for years. And I hated it. And finally I decided this year just to give up. It was horrible for me. It was a horrible experience. I didn't love it. And yeah, you, you, you're not that tall. <laughs> it's like, I know it's uh, maybe a lot of space, but I don't, I don't know. I, I would grow everything in seven gallon fabric grow bags for the most part. And if those work for me, I don't know why I need all that raised bed space. <laughs> I really have loved the grow bags. I tried to grow some figs in the grow bags with the intent of transplanting them. Those roots are hanging onto the sides. Like by the time they are in, they, they need to, once, once you start the grow bag situation, you have to keep the plants in them. They are not going to change positions very easily. And so I did have a little bit of, die back on my figs, moving them from the grow bags and treating them like plastic pots because they're not, they're not at all the same, No, Um, but they're fantastic. I mean, I had the most success growing in them than growing in plastic pots. Right. I I absolutely love them. I have a few uh, five gallon buckets hanging around still just because I haven't replaced them yet. And until, until they're really, really beat up, I'm going to hang on to them. But I, or I, yes, I have gosh, probably 40 grow bags alone. I'm planning on this year. In addition with my, I have seven gallons. I just ordered some 10 gallons. I figured I'd put the blueberries in the 10 gallons, uh, probably do some of the peppers. I want to give a little bit more room to in the 10 gallons, but yeah, just the seven gallons have worked beautifully for me. They're so light and easy. If I have to move them, you know, sometimes it gets a little cold every once in a while. So I'll bring in like my favorite plants into the garage and they have handles. They're light. It's nice and easy. It's, it works beautifully for me. They really are easy to move with those handles. I have a few grow bags that don't have handles and I've just sort of stared at them and not done <laughs> anything with them yet. Cause I haven't decided how realistic they are in general. I I'm, I'm thinking, no, they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> just, but, but the handles, no matter how heavy everything gets, you can always get one person on each side, worst case scenario, right. you know, and still move yes. them. And it's not that bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially the grow bags with the combination of the soil that I used, it's all super light, even if it's been watered. So it's usually not too bad for me, but that's a great point too. Yeah. Adding in the pine bark mulch really does make a difference in that, in that weight. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it does. We <laughs> uh, really have added so much value to today's <laughs> talk. You. I really appreciate you joining me. For all of you listening, follow Olivia on Instagram right now at Container Garden Central and reach out to let her know that you heard this podcast episode. Her Instagram handle is also included in today's episode description. Don't forget that Olivia offers one-on-one consultations. And when you get in touch with her, she can tell you more about how she can help you container garden as successfully as she does. Thanks for listening.